Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just, Just Ghouly Things. Ooh. Hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Ghouly Things, the quarantine spooky story special, episode 42. And we are your bootyful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. So, wait, what day is it? It's a Wednesday. Okay, it's halfway through the week, and tomorrow is the 30th, which means May is coming up in, like, mm-hmm. two days, which mm-hmm. feels crazy, because I felt like earlier this year it went by so slow, and, yeah. like, the beginning of this quarantine was kind of slow, and now all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, we're in May, and we've been in quarantine since, like, the middle of March, so that's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't, like... It just now it's, it's crazy to, how you kind of get used to the routine of having no routine, right? Like it's so like, and then like now I'm seeing more cars out, but the fact that like there's no traffic, I feel like I'm gonna have anxiety through the roof once I have to deal with five o'clock traffic again, and like morning traffic. <laughs> like I just feel like I'm gonna be like, oh my god, like I hate all of you people, even more than I did before the quarantine. But um, yeah. Rage, Rebecca. I mean, it's a Jersey thing, let's be real. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I actually found some pretty interesting stories today that I'm excited to read. Um, I ended up, like, finding, like, there's, like, a filter in Reddit, and it goes, like, the best, the top stories in this category of all time. So I'm going to start reading from them. Because I just literally discovered that five minutes ago. So um, I'm going to read from that. And uh, they're pretty good. They're pretty decent-sized stories. So uh, okay. let's get started. Yay, let's do it. All right. My, am I starting, I'm assuming? Yeah, of course. The best is first. Okay. This one is called, mine are pretty long today, except for one. So Perfect. Uh, this one is called, me and some other kids were approached by entities. Ooh. I was around four or five, and my older brother was around seven or eight, and we were spending the day w- with my Nana. She lived in this apartment complex, and we would always walk to this nearby park and play on the playground with the neighborhood kids. I remember specifically there being this cement block building randomly being there. Now that I look back on it, it was probably like an unfinished public restroom. It was a cement floor, and the outer wall was cement brick with those two openings for a door, I suppose. There was no roof or ceiling to it. Anyways, my brother and I walked in there with the group of kids we always played with, and we were thinking of a game to play when we were interrupted by two people they were sitting on the ledge of the wall and jumped down to approach us they looked like white shadowy figures they were human shaped and even though you couldn't make out any details of them we knew one was a man and one was a woman we called them the ghost people they talked to us for a while but i can't remember about what that's all i can remember about that day and my brother and I rarely talked about it because there was no significance to us. For all we knew, we had just met some ghost people. I love how casual they are about (laughs) this. I know. Oh, yeah, just a couple ghost people. This is a memory I've always had, but it never really thought much of it. I'm 25 now, and my brother and I were recently at a family get-together, and we started talking about it. It wasn't until we started hearing our own words did we realize how bizarre this experience was. We've come to terms with it, but still don't know how to explain it. Just out of curiosity, has anyone ever had an experience closely similar to this? That is just so funny. They're like, oh, years later, this is probably not normal. (laughs) Yeah. Took you long enough. I love them. That's hysterical. But that is, that is, I mean, a weird, that is a weird situation to have. And the fact that, like, 
none of them really reacted in a sense of like, oh, this is traumatic until like years later where they like re yeah. like they rehash <laughs> everything. Like, oh, we should have probably shit our pants and ran home. <laughs> probably should have done that. Yeah, that would have made sense at the time. <laughs> okay. So my next story, which I love these type of stories, as I've said before, my six-year-old son keeps telling me about his past lives at random times. So, yeah. So I thought it was about time I posted this, as it has slowly become more frequent, and I'd like someone's opinion. Um, But there are several occasions that my son has said strange things. I know my son has been here before. Everyone who meets him makes the same comment along the lines that he knows too much for his age. The first comment was a few months ago. We were walking the two dogs, and he randomly said, Mom, remember when I was trying, when I was lying in that field, and my face was in the mud, and the gunshots were going over my head? My feet were so wet. I stopped dead in my tracks. I replied that he had never been round guns, and that he was only six, so everywhere he goes, I'm with him. He was adamant it had happened, and he remembers crying, lying there, hoping he didn't get shot. I tried to comfort him by saying it was probably a dream and that if he ever had a nightmare like that, he should wake me up and we could talk about it. He didn't say anything more about it for the remainder of the day. A few days later, we were eating dinner and he said, out of nowhere, I remember when I picked you up, I remember when I picked you to be my mom. I asked what he meant and he said when he was lying in the mud with the gunshots, he doesn't remember anything from that point. He then said he was then a baby, and he was sitting on his bedroom floor playing with a toy car, and he heard banging outside the window, but the window had tape all over it. He heard a really loud bang, and then that was the end. And then he picked, then he picked me. I think I'd probably oh. turned a pale shade of, shade of gray at this point. However, he didn't seem distressed by, distressed by this, and I said maybe it was a dream again. He shook his head and said, almost frustrated, that this was before. I said, what's before? And he said, almost as if it was stupid of me not to know. He goes, you know, Mom, before. I just nodded and agreed, but I was both confused and freaked. I'd be like, okay, you little fucking weirdo. All right, whatever, okay. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I spoke to people about this, and they all had the same opinion, that this is my son remembering past lives in the war. Obviously, I knew what he was getting at, but I was so confused as to why he would know such details, such as taping windows to stop the glass from shattering back in World War II here in the UK. But this wasn't the end of his before memories. A month or so ago, he was sitting with my grandfather, which is his great-grandfather, and he gave him a five-pound note as a money pocket. My son said thank you and was playing with the note. My son then pointed out a picture on the note and said to my granddad, that was the picture of a great prime minister. For those who are from the UK, the five-pound note has a picture of Winston Churchill on it. My granddad was extremely taken back by this and said he was right. My granddad updated me on this when I came to pick up my son to go home and asked whether it was something I had told him. I said no and thought it was possibly something that he was taught in school. At the next opportunity, I asked his teacher whether they were teaching the children about the war or past prime ministers, and she said no. They wouldn't teach them anything like that until they were 9 or 10. Fast forward to four days ago. My son woke up at the usual time in the morning, but he looked exhausted. I asked him if he was okay, and he said he didn't sleep well. I asked why, and he said this. A man woke me up. He was nudging my arm. I asked whether he knew this man, and he said yes. He was from before. By now I understand what he means by before. He said he had a green suit on with some badges on his chest. He was smiling at me, but he was so white, Mom. 
I asked whether it scared him and why he didn't wake me up to tell me. He responded with, I wasn't scared. He was nice and I haven't seen him in such a long time. We haven't, ha we haven't had anything said since. Yet, please give me your opinions. My son isn't distressed by any of this and he has spoken about past lives before this as we are adamant he is a reincarnation of a friend who died who we named him after. That's so sweet. That is crazy. And like I've like we've previously talked about even yesterday, like kids are already scary enough. If my kid starts spewing <laughs> out information that I don't even know about the past, I'm gonna be like, all right, like, what's the gig, yeah. kid? What 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 are you trying to get at here? Why why are you here? Why why are you haunting my life? What's going on? But um, yeah, I, that's just the reincarnation stories always get me, especially when they're so spot on like that where they know information at such a young age, but there's no reason why they would know that inf type of information. Like, I don't even... I barely know, know who Winston from Churchill before. is. <laughs> like, like, yeah, from before, you dumbass. Like, what do you mean? Like, of course <laughs> you know the before. Like, no, I don't. Crazy person. But, uh, yeah, that was a pretty cool story. All right, what's your next story, Lil? Nice. All right, this one is called, I used to work at a haunted dispensary. Ooh, okay. I worked at a dispensary in South Los Angeles for six months starting January 2018. The building used to be a mental health clinic. Don't know much about it, but when you type our, in our shop's address on Google Maps, the place would still come up as the mental health clinic instead of the dispensary. There was still a shower in the bathroom and everything. It was on a pretty bad block, and the building was old and gross and not well-maintained. Our managers weren't legally running the business at all, and we were cutting lots of corners. <laughs> there, was a there was a back room past where we would ring customers up, and it was converted into a smoke lounge, and it was super crusty and had almost no ventilation and just a generally creepy vibe, so I hated going back there. But if a customer spent $10 or more, they could choose either a free joint or a hit from the dab rig in the back. They always chose the hit, even though it was the grossest shared pipe situation I've ever seen. So I'd have to go back there to give it to them at least 50 times a day. We worked 16-hour shifts. Ooh. Since I was the new girl, I always got stuck cleaning the back room at the end of the night while we were closing. It took forever to clean since it was so big and disgusting, and the other girls were creeped out and wouldn't go in if they, had, if they didn't have to. One night while I was in there swiffering the floor, the other girl came running from our break room where we had surveillance footage running to me in the back room. She told me she saw some weird, quote, misty stuff that kind of made a human shape following me around the back room while I was cleaning, and she pulled me out into the main area. I kind of thought everyone was just messing with me, so I was creeped out by trying to take out, but, so I was creeped out but I was trying not to take it too seriously. Our bosses never let us rewind the security footage unless something really bad happened, so I never got to see if something was actually there. Fast forward a few months. Nothing major has happened, but everyone still doesn't like being in the back room alone, and even if there are customers that are saying they feel like they're being watched when it's only them back there. At the end of the night, we were all in the room the safe was kept in, counting out our tips at the end of the day. The room was almost empty except for the huge safe in one corner. Every wall had a fold-up table, and we were all standing at each table facing a wall and counting the money. So there was basically a huge circle in the center of the room with all our backs turned to it. 
we heard a loud crash and turned around to see my manager's phone lying in the middle of the room. It had been plugged into the wall because she was using it as a calculator, so none of us could figure out how the hell it got there. She really slowly picked it up and put it on the table, and it started sliding towards her. We all ran outside screaming and refused to go back in. We made our armed security guards finish locking up and bring us our purses out to us. After that, everyone would see things out of the corner of their eyes. If we were in the bathroom, we'd hear someone violently trying to turn the knob to get in, only for no one to be outside the door. After about six months, I'd finally had enough of every, everything else about working there and gave my two weeks notice. On my last day of work, I kept looking across from the counter at a couch facing me, thinking I was seeing a black man in a black suit with a tall black hat. Sounds like a shadow person to me. Mm-hmm. As as soon as I'd look closer, nothing would be there. I'm sure some of you are assuming we were just a bunch of high kids working stoned and seeing things, but our bosses were actually very, very strict about us using weed on the job, and we were under constant, constant video surveillance with no breaks allowed during our 16-hour shifts, so there really was no opportunity or desire, honestly, to get high. I kept telling myself it was just the lighting. Maybe I would somehow contact high. I was feeling anxious about it being my last day but every time i thought i saw it i felt sick to my stomach and dreaded closing up at night even more i flat out refused to clean the back room that night and no one made me as a parting gift just as we'd finished my goodbye cake and we were packing our stuff up and all about to go home one of our security guards says i didn't want to scare you guys so i've been waiting till we go home to say it but have any of you been seeing a man in a black suit sitting on that couch over there? <laughs> One girl immediately started sobbing. Two other girls were just like, OMG, the receptionist noped the fuck out of there. <laughs> we're just like, OMG, the receptionist noped the fuck out of there. And I just stood there shaking my head saying, holy shit, over and over. Wait, when we got out to the parking lot, we all described what we saw, and it turned out we had all been seeing the same man. Um, sorry, one second. Turned out we had all been seeing the same man for just a second, but every time we really looked, he'd be gone. We all wanted to take a moment to, to say goodbye since it was my last night, but we were all pretty shaken and wanted to get away from the building at that point. We parted ways pretty quickly. Um... I got a very, very evil feeling from whatever I saw that night. I am not religious at all. I had never had a ghostly or paranormal experience before. But I am really sure that whatever that thing was did not want, not want me there. It felt like a final warning or something. Like, don't ever come back to this place. I never, ever came back to that visit, even when... Came back to there to visit, even when I was in the area. They were eventually closed by the cops. I felt like whatever it was stuck with me for a tiny bit to make sure I stayed away. I was house-sitting for my friends who were getting married at the time, and that night, the whole drive to their house, I felt like something was in their car with me. Or in the car with me, sorry. When I got to their house, I felt like something was in the corner of the living room watching me, and I had been staying there for a few days before, before without ever feeling creeped out. But for a couple of days, wherever I went, I felt this gross, oppressive force over mm -hmm. my entire body, and I was terrified to even be in the bathroom alone. Mm -hmm. After a few days, it just went away. I literally woke up feeling like I weighed less. Whatever it was, I guess it got its message across and decided to leave me alone. So there's my extremely long story about working at a haunted dispensary in South Central. I, ne I hope I never experience anything like that again. 
though I do live in the forest for my new job, so I'm sure I've got lots of creepy times ahead. The end. This person picks the craziest jobs from working in dispensary to now working in the middle of the woods. <laughs> but that's brave right there it is but that is a crazy story too because you would th- i mean the first thing i thought was like oh yeah like these people are working in the dispensary they're living their best life high going to work they probably all just see like crazy things because like you know they're under the influence but if they're not allowed to smoke yeah. while working at the, disp- the dispensary i mean then like and the fact that they all experience it seemed kind of like a shadow man slash hat man experience it kind of yeah, that's what of, I was like, thinking was the hat man. Yeah. So, and, and the fact that it was a previous mental facility kind of gives it, like, that vibe that, like, maybe there were some, like, dark spirits that, like, either weren't treated well there or something like mm-hmm. that where, um, mm-hmm. you know, now they're seeing that the place that they, you know, passed away and is now a dispensary. I mean... It's just, it's a very weird situation. It's very unsettling to know that all of them experienced the same <laughs> thing. And they all felt darkness as well, like very uncomfortable. So um, at yeah. least this person got out of it. And uh, hopefully nothing else like that ever happens again. Oh, God, I hope not. Okay. My story is, so this person worked as a dispensary person. My person um, was a crime scene cleaner. So this is my experiences as a crime scene cleaner. To start out, you need a little backstory to show how I got into this situation. When I got out of high school, (laughs) I guess it's like not a normal thing you look up on Indeed, but okay. So (laughs) when I got out of high school around 2003, finding a job was difficult. So I took whatever horrible jobs I can get by. When I found a job cleaning fire and water damage full-time, I was excited to have a steady income and start saving, but this quickly turned into a nightmare that I had to endure for almost two years. The company I worked for put me on my first job, which was a water damage claim where a basement flooded with sewage, so after days of work, we finished it and on to the next job. My boss then called me into his office the next morning and told me about a special crew that he was setting up and asked if I would be the crew leader supervising three other guys that were just hired. I found this strange as I had only been working there a total of around three days, but figured it was work ethic and, I was, and it was already paying off and I could get a raise. I only made 10 an hour to start. Not only did I get the raise, but I got no training in the new position other than a work van with cleaning... Oh, not only did I not get the raise, but I got no training in the new position other than a work van with cleaning material and the phone numbers for the three new guys that were also hired in to do fire slash water damage cleanup. My boss told me what tools were best to use and what cleaning products... Oops, sorry, that was my bad. Uh, I lost the thing. Okay, there you go. Uh, what cleaning <laughs> products to use to sanitize along with where everything was located in the van with hazmat suits and respirators, but he was vague about what kind of things I would clean up. He just said the situations were always so different, and I would get detailed descriptions and instructions for each job. He also called my position CSC crew leader. The boss told me that I would never have to see the deceased as the coroner would have the remains gone by the time my crew got there and to use my logic to determine what needed to be removed from the homes and what could be cleaned. Okay, normal. Um, so the first, Just job things. Just job things. Just trying to make it by in this economy things. Um, so the ver- first job I had in my new position, which the boss told me about when I got to the office, was cleaning up the remains of an elderly man or woman who died in their house and had been laying in a chair. When we arrived, the coroner had come 
to me inside to show me a few things that were considered hazardous material and needed to be removed due to the risk of disease. I guess my boss knew a few people from the county coroner's office, and much of the work came from their recommendations. Not only was the deceased still in the house, but was fully visible to me and the other guy, and you could smell the rot through the masks as the house had no AC and this was mid-June. The coroner was backed up and waiting on additional people to show up to load the body as it was falling apart, and I called the and I called the body it because I honestly couldn't tell if it was male or female and was not trying to look too long as it was very disturbing. The other three guys I worked with handled it well, but two got sick from the smell and had to go outside to puke. We all waited outside after the coroner showed us the chair, the fluids that leaked into the carpet, and the basement where the fluids went through the subfloor and puddled onto some boxes in the basement. The coroner's support arrived and took the deceased out, and me and the crew started working. After about five minutes, weird things started to happen, the first of which was when I began to dissemble the chair. I had removed the back of the chair and was putting it into a special hazmat bag that I was given, and the base started to rock when I was about 10 feet away from the bag with the back of the chair by the front door. Nobody else was in the same room as the other guys were in the basement dealing with moving boxes. I brushed it off and took apart the base of the chair as as much as I could, and when I got into the bag, I got a chill up my back and began feeling sick. I just figured it was the shock of what I was cleaning hitting me and pushed on, even though the chill was strange and, it was, and I was very hot in a full hazmat suit in June. Next was removing the carpet and assessing the floor to see if it were, would be able to be cleaned out or if I had to remove a section of the floor. So I called the boss to ask him, and he told me just to pour the special cleaner on the area to soak into the floorboards, and it would be fine. So I got it out of the truck where he said it was and brought it inside. When I got inside, all three of the guys in the basement were scrambling to get out of the basement, tripping over each other, and all three ran outside. When I asked them what was up with all three, they said there was someone in the cluttered basement and they assumed it was a homeless person or junkie. Detroit has oh, many issues with these kind of things. <laughs> I listened at one of the open windows to the I listened at one of the open windows to the basement. It's kind of the thing we did when we started working. Open any window possible, prop the doors open, so maybe someone got inside then or possibly before we got there and was hiding. After listening a few minutes and hearing nothing, me and my and the other workers went inside armed with a mag light and a piece of metal fence post, and searched the basement. Nothing was down there but the footprints of the shoe covers we used, but when we started up the stairs, we heard a horrible hacking cough from somewhere in the basement. When we looked for it, there was nothing, but the corner of the basement had a bunch of dust stirred up, like someone was moving things around very recently that wore us both off. We called the guys back in and got back to the boxes, but all of them kept feeling like they were being touched while throwing away material from the boxes that got fluids in them. I went back to my upstairs job but found that the cleaner I put next to the floorboards was gone and I started getting frustrated as it was the only jug I had of this cleaner and I remember it being next to the area before the guys ran up the stairs and my attention was de- redirected. I began to take the trash figuring I would find it eventually or the basement guys took it for the floor and I found it on its side behind the bag that had been the back of the chair. This is impossible. There were like six other bags in front of this one near the front door, and this was a gallant bottle of cleaner. Again, I got a chill, but this one was brought on by what sounded like a whisper that I could not make out the words to. Clean the floorboards and move the trash. Job complete. That night, each member of the crew had a dream about an older man telling us that we are not welcome in his house, touching his belongings, and that we needed to leave. In my dream, I was alone in his house. The old man cried and told me I was destroying his things... Oh, hold on a second, sorry. Uh, 
and I was, he was told, telling me I was destroying his things and he couldn't replace anything. He was trying to push me out of his house, but it was like I was ignoring him, even when he would push me and scream at me, no reaction from me. He then threw my cleaner into the garbage pile I had made by the front door, exactly where I had found it. Two of the three guys in the crew told me about their dreams about the old man pushing them as they went through boxes of ruined pictures and other old stuff that needs to be thrown out due to the risk of disease from his fluids. They also said it was like they had no control and were on autopilot. They said that they were so sad but couldn't do anything. The thing that got me about the dreams of the other two guys was that they both said the man was getting so upset that he began violently coughing and that the man kept grabbing their arms when they would touch boxes or throw things into the trash. Neither of the guys were in the house when me and the other guy heard the coughing from the basement. The guy that went into the basement with me said he had a dream, but all he remembered was waking up sad like he did something wrong and had a horrible coughing fit, which might be just a coincidence, but I connected it in my mind as relating to the other dreams. We all talked about it and came to the conclusion that we were all just having a reaction to the situation and it was nothing more than our brains coping with what we had to do. I'm very into psychology, so I rationalized it best I could and hoped for better assignments the next day. The next few jobs were not so bad, cleaning up blood at a home invasion, no casualty, but huge mess. Then there were a few other bloody crime scenes with casualties, but nothing notable happened. About two weeks into the job, we began to learn the tricks of the trade and were split into two different groups that I was responsible to manage as a crew leader. So I would have to go to different sites if the other two guys had an issue or didn't know what to do. I thought I was getting used to the job as well as the other guys as we had no experience like the first job, but I was wrong. The next job that there was activity was a suicide of a man that was middle-aged. The coroner had already moved the body, but it was a mess. The guy had shot himself with what I think was a large caliber handgun or shotgun as a spray was everywhere in the basement in like a second living room. There was a skull fragments lodged in drywall, brain matter all over, and again he he was not found for a again he was not found for a bit, so the smell was horrible. Mm. First step in cleaning this was using our back backpack vacuum cleaner to suck up all the biomaterial. The coroner told us that when we went in, that he and his partner were extremely uneasy in this house, and it felt strange. And we immediately started getting claustrophobic, suffocating feeling when we went into the basement as well. To make things worse, the family of the man who uh, the family of the man had came over and were crying upstairs, but the vacuum noise helped to cancel all that out. While I was cleaning, the power to the lights went out, and it was completely pitch black. This was strange because my vacuum was still powered. My crewmate started screaming at this point, so I turned off my vacuum and climbed off my ladder. I thought maybe he touched a wire to the lights, but when my vacuum unit was turned off, he was still screaming, and I could hear things being knocked over. I started fumbling around going for my flashlight on my tool belt and yelled for my friend, asking what was going on, but all I got back was panicked screaming. Then I saw in the pitch black something darker that was moving in my direction, and I will admit, I freaked out. I slipped trying to back up, still looking in my belt for the flashlight, and found it when, I, when my back hit the basement wall. I turned my light, aimed at the blackest shape I had ever seen. When the light turned on, I saw the shape of a man wearing a flannel shirt, beard, and an expression like he was about to attack me. Then it was just gone. My crewmate was behind me where the entity enter, entered sitting on the floor, rocking with his hands on his head. When I approached, he picked up his flashlight off the ground and turned it on, then ran up the stairs and outside and threw up. I followed behind him, asking if he was okay and why he was screaming. I thought he was just imagining the entity, and the man behind his screaming scared me. But he told me he was scrubbing the wall and felt something pulling on something in his tool belt, and he thought it was just me. But when he turned around, the lights went out, and he was engulfed by what he said was like dark smoke, and he immediately could not breathe and was struggling to move. He managed to pull his flashlight out, but it was knocked out of his hand 
like his wrist was grabbed with force and he managed to scream. When he screamed, Trinket started falling off an entertainment center that was about three feet to his side and the black smoke moved back, but he was close to passing out from exertion. He also said he lost hearing and didn't know that any noise came out when he started screaming and that the stuff falling off the shelves was landing on him and that's why he was covering his head. He said it felt like a weight was lifted off him when the dark smoke backed up, but he felt sick right away and the light from my flashlight made the sick feeling increase. We took an early lunch where he just sat there pale as ever and didn't say much other than he said he breathed in that smoke and didn't feel right. I got him some Gatorade and his color started to come back. I never told him I saw a man when I turned on my light because we still need to finish and I didn't want to put that in his head since he never mentioned seeing it. Since we went back, the lights in the basement were on again. Half of the things that fell from the shelves were back on the entertainment center and the TV was on baseball. There was also a different smell in the room, similar to burnt hair. My worker stayed a half hour, got sick again, and went home for the day, leaving me alone to finish, which I didn't want to do but had to as the other guys had their own job. After cleaning up everything with my vacuum, I began scrubbing the old blood, which is hard after it congeals, mixed in brain matter, and it is like glue, even with cleaner. While I was finishing up, I kept seeing the shape of a person always in the side of my vision. Each time, I would smell that strange burnt hair scent, and after a few times, I also felt like a force was pulling at items on my belt. Not sure what item, as there were several things in my belt. When I finished the job, I went to use the upstairs bathroom, and in the hallway along the way, I remember hearing like a muffled crying or moaning. I froze up and stayed, still thinking maybe a family member had come back, and when I panned around, there was nothing. But I saw a picture on the wall of a man with a beard wearing a flannel, several other pictures in the hallway of the scenarios of the same man, different flannels with deer or fish or family. I had not seen a picture of that man, as I had not been anywhere in the house or the bathroom, nor did I use the bathroom downstairs because pulling off hazmat stuff is a pain. As I was securing the house, closing all windows, locking doors, and shutting down every light but the front porch light, I saw the front curtain move and again saw the darker-than-black form in the front window. The last experience I will share in this thread happened mid-July in a very bad area in Detroit. There had been an incident where a guy supposedly tried to abduct a child, was stopped by people in the neighborhood who beat the man very bad, and he escaped to his house where the neighborhood people quickly called police and civilians surrounded the man's house to prevent escape. The police response came... Uh, the res- police response time in this era is horrible, and the people were throwing rocks through the man's window and damaged his car. The man was hurt bad by the mob and was hurt by a rock or glass and died in the home. Uh, from what the police told me, it was a misunderstanding. The man picked up a girl that was injured riding her bike, and some kids that knew her told the parents that the man was kidnapping her, and people overreacted, and the man was brutally beaten. The oh, cleanup, shit. yeah, the cleanup was pretty simple to do. We secured the windows, cleaned up blood and bodily fluid. But as soon as I entered the house, I just felt wave after wave of fear and sadness, like I have never felt this before, and it hit in waves that made my legs weak. My working buddy who was there showed up late and didn't get the story from the cop like I did, but experienced the same feelings I had. The whole time we were there, we saw a form darting around corners like it was watching us, then hiding. It was similar to like a small bit of fog or mist. We also heard very slight cries for help coming from several areas in the house and also what sounded like, please stop, and a long no. A few times the crowd came back and yelled at the house also. And when this was going on, the activity in the house increased and we could hear running footsteps go up the stairs, a door slam, and it sounded like the front door would open and close, but we never saw any of the doors move. The path of the footsteps sounded like from the front door through the living room to the bathroom to stairs to the upstairs bungalow room. The part that really got me was I could feel the floor impacts that felt like vibrations of someone running past me when I was cleaning the areas, and each time I would be hit by one of those waves of fear and sadness. 
When we left the house, there were a few people on porches hanging out like usual during summer, and the people were still hostile and yelling random things, but directed at us as we loaded the van and took off hazmat suits. We ignored this, but before we had loaded all the material from the house into the van and locked the house, the front door slammed hard enough to sound like a gunshot, which scared me and my crew member, along with the people on the front porch, to the point where they went inside. The front door deadbolt was somehow locked and we could not get in. I think it was a different key than the doorknob, so we ended up leaving several boards in the house that were left over from boarding a few of the windows. The feeling of relief when I left the house was like night and day. Inside, I was anxious, scared, paranoid, and just really down, which could be overdue, uh, which could be due to knowing the story. But when I got outside, it was like flipping a light switch. I immediately felt better, and me and the other guy and my crew were joking and laughing about dumb stuff and normal 19 to 20 year old shenanigans. I have so many of these stories written down in detail in a journal I started after the first three months of working at this job. I talked to the guys on the cruise and got other strange stories from them too. I know that some of this could be very well formed by my subconscious mind to cope with traumatic situations, but some of it has no explanation. And when I hear other members of my crew tell me their stories when they haven't been influenced by mine, that is a horse of a different color. When I have time, I will pull out the journal and give more of my experiences. The job got way worse when I started the journal after three months in. Several experiences with what I think was paranormal. Many situations that stressed my mental state to the point where my mask of sanity started to slip. In the end, I worked in this place for almost two years, and all of my crew all died. Two from suicide, one from drug overdose. That could have been intentional, but we will never know. I just know, yeah, I just know that when these three guys my age, around 19 and 20, started this job, all were normal, well-adjusted guys with no cares in the world other than girls, parties, and working. I watched each one of them slowly drain their joys and passion for life, and I know this sounds bad, but each one that died was considerate enough to die in a clean way, so most likely so another person wouldn't have to see the horrible thing that we all saw so often. Wow. Fucked up, right? I know it was a long one, but there was just a lot of information there that I thought was freaky as fuck and had to read. Yeah. Wow, I don't even know where to start with that. I, yeah, you know, you think, like, you think, like, obviously in crime scenes, like, when you watch those crime scene shows and you see all the blood and everything, like, everything like that, you don't realize that someone has to clean all that up. Yeah, that, that, that's something that never occurred to me. And when, you know, someone goes in such a tragic manner, they have to, like, the cleaners have to deal with that energy that's still there. The energy yeah. that died so abruptly that either the person that died either did to themselves or that someone did to them. Absolutely, 100%. And it's, you know, the shock of it can really, you know, keep a spirit around. Yeah, just that I can't even imagine how heavy that energy feels for them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so shout out to crime scene uh, cleaners because I have a newfound respect for you guys. Yeah, right? That's a job that never even occurred to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. This one is called Weird Babysitting Experience. Okay. It says, about 10 years ago, when I was about 16, I started babysitting for a family that lived in my neighborhood. They had a sweet seven-month-old baby girl that I would babysit every now and then, and two dogs that were also very sweet. Despite them having a nice house in a nice neighborhood, I still got a weird feeling when I was in their house, almost like I was being watched or felt a presence there while I was there. Whenever I took care of their baby or their dogs, I would never want to spend longer there than needed. 
One night while babysitting her, she was about two years old at the time, she asked uh, to go down to play in the basement with Play-Doh. I said yes, and we went downstairs. I got a very weird feeling when we went down there, but I still got out the Play-Doh for her. We were playing for about two minutes before she came over to me and said she was scared. I asked why she was scared, and she said, the man is scaring me. I said, what? Because I thought I had heard her wrong the first time. And she said very clearly, the man is scaring me. She then asked to go upstairs, and I said yes. And she bolted and ran up the stairs and left me to clean up the Play-Doh. About six months after that, the family asked me to care for the dogs while they were out of town, and I said yes. I ended up burning some sage and asking the spirit to leave the place. After that, I didn't feel the presence as strongly. It was to this day such a weird experience and I still have no explanation for why that all happened. The end. Mine was short. <laughs> that, huh. So, huh. All these, all these stories are so good today and like, I'm just like, <clears throat> see, that my next one's short too. Um, but what, what do you, like, what would you, um, like, what's, what's your logical explanation behind this and like, what do you think, like, what do you think it could be like different possibilities? Well, I think that, I mean, kids have really strong imaginations, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, it could have been, you know, like, obviously it could have been in her imagination, but it's, yeah. but when a little kid is imagining something, it's usually like a monster or, you know, a, you know, or just my friend. Like, oh, you don't see my friend over there? Like, haha, yeah, I do. Sure, kid. Like, it's your imaginary friend. No one ever picks a grown man to be their imaginary friend. Yeah. And then the fact that even before she entered, you know what there, I mean? She just so felt I feel weird. like she definitely saw. Yeah, exactly. So the feeling of the weird, there being something there, and then, you know, oh, the man is scaring me? Mm -hmm. That makes me think it could have been, it might have been a spirit, it might have been a shadow person, I don't know. But there was definitely something paranormal happening. Something spooky-kooky-ooky? Spooky-kooky-ooky up in here. Okay, so my next story, um, okay, we'll do this one. Yeah, we'll do this one. Um... Let's see, a middle-of-the-night wrong phone number call may have saved my daughter's life. Guardian Ooh. Angel, perhaps? I realize this could be one hell of a coincidence, but it is rare to get a phone call at 3 a.m., especially a wrong number. My daughter was a newborn, and I was sleep-deprived mom. The phone rang at 3 a.m. and woke up my husband and I. He got up to answer it, and as he left the room, I felt something under me. I was laying across my baby. I must have taken her into bed to feed and fell asleep. It is exactly what parents are warned about, and I feel awful, awful that I made this mistake. My daughter was fine. I must have only just rolled on her, and my husband returned to the bedroom saying it was someone speaking in a language he did not understand. We were very shaken up, and I took precautions to ensure it never happened again. My daughter is now 18 and likes to think she has a guardian angel who saved her that night. I that's, love a guardian angel story. That's traumatizing, though. Could you think, like, you wake up in the middle of the night, and you're like, what's this in the, in the middle of my back? <laughs> it just hurts. And you're like, oh, shit, it's just my baby. newborn. Oh, my yeah. God. That would be, that would be, that, that would fuck me up in the head for yeah. a while. Well, because I know a couple of people that, like, you know, they're young moms and, you know, or, like, they're single young moms and they're by themselves, so they like to sleep with their baby because they like to feel, like, that connection and closeness. 
But I, see, I'm a roller in my yeah. sleep. I move around. Like, there's no shot of my kids sleeping in my room because they're gonna. I'm going to squish the shit yeah. out of them. It's just inevitable. I move too much in my sleep. And I when I sleep... Absolutely. Me too. I don't know about you, but I sleep like a log. Like, it takes a little... It takes a good amount of pressure to wake me up. So mm-hmm. a little kid and rolling over him isn't going to help. That's why, <laughs> that's why with Loki... <laughs> At least Loki's big enough that he can sleep with me and, like, I'm not going to roll over him and suffocate him because he's big enough yeah. that he can move himself out or, like, he'll make it known that he's there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, not a newborn. Mm-mm-mm. So uh, all, to all the new moms out there that, uh, that are going to conceive during this quarantine time, make sure, uh, <laughs> make sure you don't roll over your kids and just keep them in their crib. Thanks. <laughs> PSA real quick. PSA. Just trying to wake people up, you know? Yeah. Okay. So my next story is called My Great-Grandmother Visited on Halloween. Ooh. Okay. I never posted this story here, and I just suddenly thought of it because I was playing The Sims, and my recently deceased grandmother's ghost came to visit in The Sims, and it reminded me of this story, so I figured I should post it. I'm a practicing pagan. I have been for a couple of years. I am... Uh, uh, shit. Sorry, the group chat, my friend's group chat is, like, blowing up right now, and I can't put my phone on airplane mode to mute it, and (laughs) one of them has an Android, so I can't mute the group chat. Okay, here we go. Let's start from the beginning, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm a practicing pagan. I have been for a couple of years. One of the things we do is celebrate Sam... Samhain? 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 I've never heard of it. S-A-M-H-A-I-N. It's all Hallows Eve or Halloween. It's it's when we invite the spirits of our ancestors into our home to celebrate with us. When this story happened two or three years ago, I was still living with my parents. So I made a little makeshift altar in their dining room with various little trinkets to appease the various ancestors and a little prayer to invite them to celebrate the spooky season with us, then went off to do all the other Halloween stuff that was going on. I had a zany costume, took my little sister's trick-or-treating, invited some friends over for a bonfire, then went upstairs to watch scary movies. We kept on watching scary movies pretty late into the night. One 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 by one, my friends started leaving. Finally, the last friend left around one in the morning. I was tired, so I just fell asleep on the couch upstairs. I woke up around four in the morning to someone saying my name and was surprised to see my recently deceased great-grandmother sitting across from me. But she looked young. There's a painting of her in my house that was made in the 80s when she was already around 50 years old, and she looked younger than that. Better yet, she was doing better, too. Towards the end of her life, she had been suffering from severe dementia to the point where at one point she thought I was her deceased husband. But when she visited me, she was entirely lucid, remembered my name and everything. She said that she had been visiting us all day and watching us and was so proud of how big my little sisters were getting. I started going by my middle name when I was 10, and as her dementia got worse in life, she remembered my name changed less and less. But she remembered to call me by my middle name that night and was very proud about it. She said she was very happy to see us all and to see the house because she had wanted to move in with us before her health had slipped too quickly to, for her to move after she suffered a fall. She told me that she loved us and that she was praying for us and to tell my family hi. I also remember she said, it's so beautiful here. And I was never sure whether she meant here as in the house or here as in whatever afterlife she's in now. 
Anyways, we sat and talked for a while, just catching up. We played a memory game, the kind where you have to match the tiles, which were always her favorite, on the floor, which she was able to sit on. Uh, she never would have been able to in her old age. And she kicked my butt. Eventually, she just said that she had to go and that she loved us and was praying for us and just kind of faded, I guess. She just disappeared. I woke up a little bit later on the couch upstairs again, but the memory game was out on the floor, and I must have fallen back asleep at some point. This was about three years ago. I told my siblings about it, but never told my mom. She was really close to grandmommy, and I didn't want to upset her or have her think I was lying, I guess. What would have been my grandmommy's 100th birthday is coming up, and I'm tempted to tell my mom about it then, but I'm still not sure how she'll respond. Also, when I told my sister, she told me that she had seen her around the house before and that she's pretty sure she haunts the house now living with us like she always wanted to. Wow. That's like I know, a this sweet is story. A sweet one, right? I think with the little memory game and she's on the floor with the grandma and the grandma normally wouldn't have never been able to sit on the floor. See, that just like gives me such validation that once people pass on any ailments, any sickness that they had, you know, towards the end of their life, it's just gone, and they're at, like, their healthiest yeah. state, which I think is a beautiful thing. So, that's, oh, I love that one. That's so sweet. I know. Oh, isn't it sweet? I hope that, like, I have an experience like that. Yeah, and now I have to look up that way. How did you spell it again? It was, like, S-H... Um, S-H... S-A-H-A-I-N, I think? S-A-I-N. We'll look it up. I'll look it up later because I'm very curious because I've never heard of that before. So. Me neither. Yeah, was it? It's S A M H A I N. Was that it? Sam Hine? I think so. Yeah, because then it's um, it's a Gaelic festival marking the end of the harvest season and the beginning of winter or the darker half of the year. Um, celebrated from October 31st to November 1st as the Celtic day began and the sunset and the ended at sunset. This is about halfway between the autumn equinox and the winter solstice. Interesting. All right. So I have to look into that more after this. So my next story. So I've talked about crime scene cleaners. We've talked about dispensary workers. Now, um, we're going to be talking about someone at work that's titled, I watched security cameras for a living, and I saw something that sent chills down my spine. Ooh. So this was, so what I saw was about four years ago at work, and it creeped me the fuck out. I work for a digital surveillance company that runs the eye in the sky for thousands of restaurants, bars, and gas stations across the U.S. From time to time, we get calls for investigations, stroke into robberies, theft, etc., so one day we get a call from a popular fast food chain located in the heart of Detroit. They say an employee OD'd by the dumpster and they needed us to get some answers on the situation. First, basically what happened and how long he was there. The next question is where it starts to get weird. See, the dumpster had a brick wall around it. It had two entrances to the dumpster, a gate you had to pass when you walked out the back door, and the big gates where the garbage truck had access to the dumpster to empty it out. They claimed those big gates were always open, and small gate by the back door was locked from the inside. Nobody could ever, ever use that smaller gate. The weird thing was that when the body was found, an employee walked out, that gate was never open. The gate that was never open was indeed open, and the body was sitting there on full display. So their next question was, who the fuck opened that gate? So we download the footage. One night, the employee goes outside, throws out the trash, and you can kind of see him through the locked gate that was never open. It was see-through, but also difficult to see through. 
The way the camera was angled, you can kind of see over the top also. He injects himself, slumps over, and keels over dead behind the dumpster. He was out oh, there for two days, uh, two and a half days. No employees ever come to look for him. It's pouring rain both days. For two days, employees come and go take out the trash and not see him. Then, on the third day, in the morning sunshine, clear as fucking gate, day, the gate just opens by itself. Nobody comes, nobody goes. The gate just fucking opens by itself, and the body is sitting there in the same position it was two and a half days earlier. I literally felt chills down my spine. To this day, I can't explain it without thinking it was paranormal. Anyway, a couple hours later, an employee walks out with a trash bag, sees the body, freaks out, and calls the police. I didn't write it, but we basically had to write a report on how a gate apparently opened itself. Wow. That's spooky kooky ookie. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, like, why would that gate randomly, and the fact that there's video evidence that it just randomly swings open after literally no one was there. The guy was dead. I want to see that video. Yeah, but I, I mean. Wait, I just, no, is the dead body in the video? Maybe I don't want to see yeah, the video. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but what's interesting to me is how they were able to keep throwing out the trash and not see this guy or even smell, like, the smell of like rotting. Yeah, although I guess if you're by a dumpster, weird smells are probably yeah, you know, you're right, pretty you're right. common. But yeah, no, seeing him, not seeing him, that's weird. Mm-hmm. All right, Lily, what's your last story? All right, my last story is called "My Other Ghost Hunting Tale." Ooh, okay. Last night I posted one of my experiences when trying ghost hunting. From the feedback I got, I realized I need to start researching and learning. That is on my list. But anyways, as I said last night, I had two ghost hunts, which turned me into a believer. Well, here is the other one. When I say ghost hunt, maybe it should be changed to summoning. This was my first ever ghost hunt. In this hunt, there is myself, my mate Bob, and Sally. There is also some other guy. We will call him Wiener. (laughs) (laughs) I believe Wiener. I'm four years old. Why would you pick that name? (laughs) Why would you do that? If I was the guy who they're calling Wiener, I'd be like, why the fuck would you choose to call me that? (laughs) What would you want to be called? Um, probably something like Sexy Beast. <laughs> Mommy. Mommy. M-A-M-I. Mommy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I believe there may have been one or two other people. For those who have not read my other experience, Bob is a medium and Sally is a Wiccan. She may have dabbled in other things as well. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. <laughs> the evening started off with me going around to Bob's. I was wondering why he was taking it so seriously. I thought we were going to a graveyard and taking a few photos, maybe recording some noises. I then drove us to Sally's where we met up with Wiener as well, whom I unfortunately remembered from school. Oh, okay, so we don't like this guy. That's why he's calling him. <laughs> he was also wondering why Sally and Bob were taking this so seriously. I then drive me and Bob to a car, to a car park in the middle of nowhere. Sally and Wiener and maybe others lead the way. We park and walk through some woods to a graveyard. We look around a bit. Nothing really happens. Bob starts talking to someone or something, but we can only hear Bob, not what or who he is speaking to. Wiener is super bored at this point. I'm kind of enjoying the cool, dark summer night. Then Bob stops, tells about some kid who died. I cannot remember the specifics as this is quite a while back. We start searching the graves for this kid, but the kid is not to be found. There is no grave. At this point, Sally tells Bob to get the board out. Oh, boy. Um, And he opens his 
bag. He packed it earlier. I didn't pay much attention to what he was packing, to be honest. And he pulls out and unrolls a Ouija board and pulls out a glass. At this point, alarm bells do not start ringing in my head. Christian parents, my dad has a lot of knowledge about demons and exorcisms, which he has never explained to me where he got from. More on that later. But Sally knows her stuff, and Bob has been doing this for years, and Wiener is just laughing, so whatever. Let's try this stuff out. It is quite uneventful. Sally seems pretty disappointed. Then she goes and climbs upon a table like a grave, a table like grave, and well, stuff starts getting a bit mad. Sally shouts, speaking. Sally shouts, speaking and shouting. I ask Bob what she is doing, and he said, summoning the dead. I'm starting to enjoy this, and Wiener is looking pretty uneasy. <laughs> After five to ten minutes, Sally climbs down and tells us to try the Ouija board again. The glass moves this time, but I am not convinced. As soon as the thought of this all being fake BS enters my head, the glass starts spinning. I'm starting to get uneasy myself at this point, maybe having a feeling of dread. We ask the board some questions, and then Sally said, um, and then Sally says to the board to show itself. Then Bob starts speaking in a different voice and leads us to an overgrown bush. He rips away some of the bush, and there in the middle is an old gravestone. Someone has paper and cra- someone has paper and crayon, so we take a rubbing of the stone. Sure enough, it's the kid that Bob was going on about. Ooh. Except Bob is now talking as though he is the kid. No. I take a look around as the feelings I am having are not good and they are growing. In a nearby field, I can see shadows and silhouettes moving. I tell Sally, Wiener is full on freaking out at this point and I am not far off. We start to drag Bob away towards the cars as well. Sally chucks some stuff over him, no idea what, and chants something. Bob is now back to being Bob. We get back to the cars and drive off. I'm full on freaked at this point. I drop Bob off. He seems okay and says that this has happened before. When I get home, I climb into bed and do an internet search first for the kid on the gravestone. Absolutely nothing pops up. All searches for that area mention an old church, but nothing about a graveyard. This is the end of my experiences so far. I have had this, I have had this one and the one I wrote about last night. I will be getting back into ghost hunting after this quarantine period, but I am doing some reading up first on Celtic lore, the supernatural, and I am also getting a camera and a voice recorder. I am at least prepared. Edit. I mentioned my dad at the very start of this. Well, I told my dad about this one day when he went hill walking. He stopped where he was and put his hand on my head and recited some Bible verses, then told me he had performed an exorcism. (laughs) And that's the end. Oh my god, what the hell? This story is a fucking roller coaster and a half. Yeah, right? I know. And I feel like I have the urge to just say, fuck you, Wiener. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Wiener. Poor Wiener just never catches a break. Okay, so my last story for today is simple. I died once. Here is my experience. So, in 2012, I had suffered a stroke that killed me. As I slipped away, I had felt an overwhelming peace come over me like I had never felt before. Things went black. Then I was ascending above, and I saw the city below. Next to me, I heard a voice from this orb of varied colored lights that also had a mist coming off of it. It was a woman's voice, and she was telling me how excited she was to finally be with her family and to see her mom and dad again. 
I started to feel unsure and told her I wasn't supposed to be here. Suddenly, I was standing in an otherworldly place that was gorgeous. All the structures and buildings were made out of what looked similar to marble, but had this iridescent color between the marbling. The buildings were decorated with colorful stones, with gold embezzlements lining the buildings and glass fencing. I walked along the path with my arms crossed and holding to my body. I felt lost, and everyone around me was chattering happily with each other in these otherworldly clothes of satin-like linens. Some people held hands and were close and joyful with each other. This place was absolutely beautiful. I came upon an old man who was sitting near a tree in what seemed to be teaching a class with people surrounding him. Some were sitting and others were standing. He called me over to join him. He was teaching the lessons of what life is supposed to be on earth, what was originally supposed to be and how humans were supposed to be caring for the world and the inhabitants on it, but materialism had gotten in the way, among other things. I felt an overwhelming knowledge come over me as he continued to teach this class about the world, the universe, life, and death. Everyone began to surround me, and the old man put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, It's not your time yet. You will know when it is. The people from the class all came in and held me in a circle, and I was suddenly back. I opened my eyes, and I breathed in. I was alive and back in my earthly body. This is how I came wow. to believe in God and also reincarnation. I don't claim a religion because my beliefs are now a mix of things. Unfortunately, slowly that knowledge was instilled in me, slowly slipped away over the years, but I still feel it in the back of my mind. To me, religion became several fingers pointing to the same being. I don't need a religion to dictate my relationship with God. If you're all wondering, I'm 27 now and suffer residual effects that have disabled me, but I keep going. My body may not work properly, but my brain still does, and I focus on expanding my knowledge in various areas. Wow. I know. When That's I read this, it got me chills. Right? And it just gives you that reassurance, that validation once again that there is something after this. And um, I find it interesting this person also kind of had a lesson taught in this too of how materialism has kind of consumed our society and how we should mm -hmm. be looking thing, looking at things in more of a bigger picture and like appreciating nature and what we're already given. Yeah. So I thought that was really nice. And I thought that was a really interesting way to end today's episode. So thank you guys so much for listening to Jess Gooley Things, the Quarantine Spooky Story Special, episode 42. Lily, want to start with the socials? Let's do it. All right. Follow us on Instagram at Jess Gooley Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Jess Gooley Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Jess Gooley Things Podcast group. Do donate to our Patreon. Just Gooley Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience they'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at justgoolythingspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, Boo Thangs, and we will talk to Boo tomorrow. Goodbye! Goodbye.